Thank you for joining us here at Fellowship Church for today's message. Our desire is to encourage others to love God, love people, and impact the world. And we would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at fellowshipws.org. Find the Share Your Story button and tell us what God is doing in your life. While you are there, you'll also find useful information about our church and other resources that will bring you closer to Christ. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Over these next couple of moments, come God and speak. Do what you want to do. In Jesus' name. Lord, we declare that we are hearers and participators of your word right now. We bind the distractor. We bind the thief. You will have your ultimate way in this room. In Jesus' name. I want you to turn with me to Matthew, the ninth chapter. Everybody stand there for one second. As we read the word of God, I've got a very quick word. So it's going to be a little out of my rhythm. But I need, to, need you to put your thinking and your listening cap on. Matthew, the ninth chapter, the ninth verse says this. As Jesus went on from there, somebody say there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. me somebody say follow me he told him meaning Matthew and look at what Matthew's response was Matthew got up and he followed him tell somebody get up and follow him I want you to turn with me to Matthew the fourth chapter 18th verse says this, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting their net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, look at this, y'all, follow me. Somebody say, follow him. And I will make you fishers of men. Look at their response. And immediately, somebody say, immediately. They dropped their nets and they followed him. I want to use for a thought for the next couple of minutes called no return. Somebody say no return. Touch, touch somebody beside you and tell them no return. No return. Touch, touch, touch the other person around and tell them no return. Tell them we're at the point of no return. We're at the point of no return. Jesus is calling. The Lord is calling. What is your response? Because you're at the point of no return. You may be seated. My question to you today is, do you have the courage to drop your nets? You have to understand that everything is in the Bible for a particular reason. And Jesus came to these two men who were fishermen, who were very good at their skill. And he said, you are fishing for natural fish, but I desire to make you a fisherman of men. The word of God said they dropped their necks. Without any regard, without any thought of what we're going to do. You have to understand this was their livelihood. And the word of God said they dropped their nets. Tell somebody, drop your nets. Then he came to Matthew, who was at the tax collector's table. The word does not say that he knew him previously, that they knew each other. And so, Jesus came to him. said, follow me. He said, okay. He dropped his net, and he followed Jesus. Now, you have to understand these people, they were not disciples yet. Jesus was building his team. 
You have to understand the faith that it took. See, because they didn't have the knowledge of Jesus that we have of Jesus. See, it's easy to say, oh yeah, if Jesus would have came up to me, oh sure, I would have followed him. Well, wait a minute. Jesus had not yet begun to do miracles. He hadn't turned water into wine. He hadn't raised any dead people at this point. Yet still, there was something that connected them with the man that stood in front of them that made them give everything up that they knew to follow this man that we know is Jesus. But he was just some average guy. Imagine somebody walk up to you and say, hey, follow me. They didn't have the privilege of knowing that we have to read the Bible. And look at this, y'all. They didn't have the Holy Spirit like we have. They didn't have the privilege of having the leader, the teacher, and guider. Yet and still, there was something, even though they did not know about uh, salvation and the blood atonement and, and the mercy seat, they didn't know about all, all, that, uh, all those other things. They didn't know about all those things of being redeemed. But yet and still, there was something inside them that when that man stood in front of them that they did not know that resonated inside of them. They may not have the Holy Spirit. They may not have been partakers in salvation. But they have faith. You know why? Because every man is born with a measure of it. And I believe he gives us just enough that when we encounter Jesus, we have enough in us to believe on him. But at this point, people of God, these men of God that would later, later be men of God, they were just average people at the time. They weren't scholars. They weren't rabbis. They were average people. Yet and still, they reached this point of no return. I want to show you something. I want to show you. I want to go there one day. I think it's in the country of Senegal. There's a slave house. If y'all would show that. Show, show the one that shows the, the whole building. I don't know if you know this, but this is on the Ivory Coast in Senegal on the continent of Africa. And this was the slave quarters that the slave, that when, that when the, the bounty and the catches would catch African slaves, they would keep them in there until the ships arrived. Now I want you to go to the, ne to, the next, to the next door. And that door was called the door of no return. The reason they called it the door of no return is because when they left outside of that door, their whole life changed. They went in as a whole family, as mother, as daughter, as children. And when they left out, depending on uh, what, what, the, uh, what, what slave master, what he needed, whether he needed some men, whether he needed some women, whether he needed children, families were literally separated at this door. Somebody say the door of no return. Show the other picture. But the ships would come up to there and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go there one day. And, 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 and people have described that you can literally feel the anguish in that room. Because so, so much hurt and so much terror and some things that we're dealing with the people even now started in that room. Because when a mother or a father or a child left out of that door, their whole life changed. Somebody say the door of no return. And that's what I want to just bring to your attention today that it's not a door of anguish that God has set before us. But nevertheless, it is a door of no return. Because when we go through that door to believe God for the impossible, how many of you can feel the shift in this place. Let me see by your hand. Tell, tell somebody, I feel the shift in this place. God is calling us higher. He's calling us deeper. 
But once we cross over that threshold, we cannot return back to the way that things used to be. Life changes. I believe that God has been wanting to manifest himself in the miraculous. I believe that God has been wanting to manifest himself in, in performing the impossible from the moment that we got saved. But we have to make a choice, people of God. That if I'm going to go after the impossible, if I'm going to go after know you, God, in your fullness, somebody say in your fullness, that if I'm going to know you in your fullness, God, it comes at the cost that everything is about to change. Just like those disciples. He didn't give them, he didn't give them no long Easter speech. He didn't make no elevator pitch. He said, follow me. And the God in them resonated with what Jesus said. And they dropped everything. And they followed him. Again, these people did not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. They did not know the full measure of Jesus. Yet and still, they had enough faith to drop everything and follow him. So my question is, with us having the benefit of the Holy Spirit, having to have full knowledge of who Jesus was, is, and is to come, how is it that it's so hard for us to drop our nets and follow him? Well, say, well, I love Jesus, and you might be on your, on, on your way to heaven, but have you dropped all your nets and followed him? By show of hands, and there's no pressure, how many of you want to see God in his fullness? That's a lot of hands in this place. Tell somebody, I want to see him in his fullness. What he's done is okay. I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thanking for his salvation. That's the greatest thing he can do, on, do for me. But if he was done performing in my life, he could have just saved me and then let me take my last breath and I'd go to glory. The fact that you still hear me, that there's, God wants to, there's more God wants to do to you and through you and for you. Listen to me clearly. But it's going to take people of God for us to go past the point of no return. I want to just show you something. Real quick. I'll show you three examples. The first example is Abram, that later became Abraham. God came to Abram and told him that I want you to leave your family and your kindred and go to a place that I'm going to show you. So God asked him two crazy things. First, I want you to go, but go to a destination that I'm not even going to tell you. That along the way, I will give you more direction, but your first direction is to go. First point from this, people of God. God is telling you to go because where you are and how many are you thankful for where you are how many believe that where you are is far more better than where you've been how many are you thankful that God has brought you a mighty long way <laughs> oh so you say I'm not where I want to be but I'm sure enough why not where I used to be but as much as we're thankful for people of God guess what God told me to tell you where you are will not get you there as wonderful as it is, Sister Janet, it's a place God has brought you a mighty long way. But as wonderful as where you are is, it's not good enough to get you there. God could have came to Abram and said, look, I'm going to bless you right where you are. I'm going to make your name great right where you are. But God said, no, it's going to take a shifting from your location. It's going to take a shifting from your environment. 
shit that incubates you. You're going to have to get around new people. You're going to have to get around new concepts and ideas. I'm going to show you new levels of thinking. I'm going to show it's going to take the exercising of your faith to step out and not know if anything's going to catch you. And that's where I'm going to make you great. In a place of unsurety. In a place if you don't know how a way is going to be made. God said as great as where you are is. It doesn't compare to there. Tell somebody I'm going there. What about Ruth? Ruth had married into this family. Her and, or her and Orpah. They had married two sons. And they were really close with their mother-in-law, Naomi. Well, some sickness hit the camp. Killed Naomi's husband and her two sons. And Naomi said, look guys, you have to understand society at that time, women couldn't make their own living. They were almost, they, was, they were just above property at that time. They said, look, we can't, we, we can't fend for ourselves. So why, it makes sense for both of you all to go back home to your fathers where they can take care of you because I can't take care of you. Oprah said, you know what? That made good sense. And she was gone. Head got small real quick. She left. But Naomi said, no, there is something that's attached to you, Naomi. And she told her, where you lodge, I'm going to lodge. Where you eat, I'm going to eat. And even where you die, I'm going to die. It's because in her heart, she knew that there was nothing left to go back to. Even though it makes sense, it is logical, it would mean that I would be safe and I would be provided for. Destiny says that I have to be attached to you. And that's the next thing I want to share with you, people of God. If you went back to your old existence, what would you be going back to? Everything that you've been doing has been good enough to get you right here. But God said the next level is a next step further. The next level is going to mean more prayer time. The next level, meaning that you're going to have to deny your flesh a little more. And I, and I know this is the part that people don't like. This, that means I'm going to have to turn off my TV a little bit. I'm not going to be able to watch Housewives or whatever city as much. But God said, do you want me in my fullness? Do you want to see the miracles come off the pages of the Bible and become living flesh in your life or not? How many say you want God to see him in his fullness again? See, deep call off unto deep. See, we don't just go up. We deep don't come to us. We meet deep out in the middle of the deep. Given it shall be given to you. Press down, shaking together and running over. And I'm still talking about a surge. Somebody say surge. There was a surge that God has, has already begun to send to the house of God. But to every action, there has to be an equal and opposite reaction. That God is working in tandem. God is working in relationship. God is working in cooperation with his people. And it's time for us people to go plan, go. See, I'm telling y'all, when you see, I'm asking you. Oh, Ara, thank you. I'm asking you to believe God for the next 10 days. And I ain't got this on the paper. God just dropped this in my spirit. But if you will believe God for the impossible for the next 10 days, God is going to show himself in such a powerful way that you will never go back to the old existence again. I mean with all your might. I mean with all your heart. 
I mean, with all your strength. I mean, you wake up in the morning and say, God, I believe you for the impossible. I'm talking about going on your own fast. Don't wait for a corporate fast. God, I'm turning my plate. I'm going to my car at lunch. And God, I'm going to pray in the spirit for the whole hour until I'm going to recharge and and build myself up in my most holy faith. Is there anybody that's going to join me over the next 10 days? And I believe, people of God, that God is going to meet us with the demonstration of the impossible. Because we've come to the point of no return. But some of us have not yet crossed the threshold yet. We're counting up the cost. Lord, if I go all the way here, that means I won't be able to do that. And what we try to do, we're going to try to have one foot over here. And one foot back there in case this thing don't work out. God said, no, I need you with both feet, your arms, everything in you. I need you to jump in the river. When you jump in the river, you you give up control. You are subject to the current. And where it goes, if the, river, if the river goes right, you got to go right. And some of us have been trying to, try, trying to, trying to get get our toe in the river, and got a, got a rope around our waist, and got it tied around a tree. I just want to be in the river. God said, "No, you got to let go, and let me take you. <laughs> let me take you. It may it may be some rough waters, but God said it, it won't consume you. It's to take you to a place. Tell somebody to jump in the river." questions I want to give you the first is this I want you to ask yourself what is it that I need to release or embrace to shift my life there's a question I want you to ask yourself this week say God show me it may be both what is it that I need to release or I need to embrace to shift my life. I believe, I believe that we are one decision away from either letting something go or bringing something into our lives that's going to shift us. The next is your future will not be found in the familiar. Your future will not be found in familiar people of God. I'm not talking about something strange and something odd and something like it came from outer space, but things that are not comfortable to you. That's where your future lies. Now, guess what? Jesus was wise enough when he was compiling his team. He called Matthew, who was a tax collector, because he needed a treasurer. That as they were moving along as a minister together of Jesus and his disciples, he needed somebody to gather together and keep the treasury. He needed somebody like Peter and his brother because he needed their boats. And he needed their means so they can get fish and they could eat. John was a doctor. He had a, had a doctor around who could verify that these people were healed. So you have to understand. And so while God called them away from the familiar, he still used their history. And can I tell you something? God's not telling you to deny who you used to be. Matter of fact, he wants to use what you were. But how how he's going to use you may not look, feel, or sound familiar the way it used to be. I hope I'm not speaking in riddles. He's going to use the familiarity of your past. He's going to use your scarred past. He's going to use your testimony. He's going to use the boldness that you used to have in the street. He's going to use your testimony of your drug use and all the things that you used to do. He's going to use it. He's going to put it in the pot and he's going to put you in environments that you're not used to. He's going to put you in front of people that you, that you that, that, that if you got there yourself, you'd be shaking at your knees, but God's going to stand up in boldness and you're going to declare the word of the Lord because you stood in front of more evil people than this. You stood in you stood in the den of thieves. You stood in at the at the edge 
hands of somebody, the barrel of somebody's gun. So what can man do to you? So God will use what you've always been, but he may use you in a manner that you're not used to. Tell somebody the point of no return. The next thing I want to share with you, and I'm just about finish, it's really a statement. And it is, the question for the believer should not be, what do I get out of this? But rather, what do I get to give up? Now, that, that is contrary to this society because society tells us to get all you can and then can all you get. Store it away for later. But God is telling us the question that we should be asked we know that God has cattle on thousand hills. We know that he has favor. We know that there are pleasures at his right hand forevermore. But we're not, we're not following him for what we get. The disciples followed Jesus on a simple question. He asked them to give up. Give up your profession. Give up what you're used to. Give up the, give, give up the, the, the notoriety that people know you about. And I want you to trust me enough to follow this man that everybody's saying is the son of Beelzebub and a heretic. I want you to follow me and give up everything that you know and everything everybody knows about you. And I want you to give it up. Tell somebody beside you, give it up. All your accolades, give it up. He asked a rich young ruler one time. He came to him and he said, Jesus, I've kept the law ever since birth. I've done everything right. He said, he said, he said what can I do to inherit eternal life? He said, give up all you owe. Own. Give it to the poor and follow me. That was his, that was his door of no return. And the Bible said he walked away with his head hung down because he was unwilling to give it up. Can I tell you, people of God, anything that you're willing to give up to the Lord? He, had, he, he is not a God that won't reciprocate to you. He's going to give you so much in replacement of what you give him. Little becomes much in the hand of the Father. The next statement I want to give to you is, is about clarity. I remember a long time ago that when we had done a a CD long time ago when we were in the final phases of doing the mixing and mastering that I went to a mastering suite in Charlotte and it was it was it was I heard things that I never heard even though we had recorded it and I had spent a lot of time with it out hundreds of hours with it doing overdubs and doing all the technical things with it the engineer he began to put he sat in the middle and had all these speakers and with this big room and he started, you see an equal, equalizer line, and he started pulling things away. And I was like, wow, man, that sounds great. And I remember he turned to me and he said, you get clarity by what you take away. Not by what you add. I'm going to say that again. You get clarity Clarity is achieved by what you take away. You see, you got to understand, see, when we get in our cars, we're trying to add base, and we're trying to add trouble, and we're trying to make it boom, and we're trying to make it all this. But he said, but clarity of the music is achieved in what you take away. And that thing stuck with me, and it came back to me this weekend as, I was, as God was speaking to me. They said, son, my people are too busy. working in the church they're too busy in other things that are not profitable no doubt people in here in this room are probably the spiritual connection you're probably the Joseph for the whole family that everybody is coattailing off you is their connection to God God's saying you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, take, you gotta take your God suit off you gotta give them the word you got to let them know that the same God that is holding me can hold you up. But sometimes our love for the people that we love 
is the very thing that's keeping God from reaching them. Because we make their landing too soft. Sometimes God may tell you, just to look, that sometimes they got to hit the hog pit. See, the prodigal son didn't come to his senses until he was sitting there eating beside the pigs. The very pigs that by custom they can't even eat. He was down there eating the same slop that made them unclean for them to eat in the first place. Never did you hear about the, 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 the prodigal father going out in the streets and chasing, Lord, where's my son? Son, come back. Have you ran out of money? Here's an extra little something because I love you. He gave him what was his and he let the boy do what he was going to do. Now he sat, he sat on that porch in anticipation because he knew that he knew that I put good stuff in that boy and no word is ever going to return void. But never did you see him going out. I don't know why God pulled me this way. But sometimes we got to let these children, these family members that are pulling and coattailing, we got to let them hit rock bottom. Somebody say rock bottom. Some people ain't going to hear God till they hit rock bottom. Especially the mamas. I know it hurts your heart with your babies. But if you truly love them for the long term, let them hit absolute granite rock bottom. And then God can speak to them. Then God can reach them. But God is saying that it's more about what we take away, people of God. Just like that sound engineer. I heard clarity that I hit, didn't hear before because it was muddied up with other frequencies. What he, once he started pulling this frequency away and that frequency away, and once he pulled that one and he could see it on the chart, and once he identified it, he pulled it away. Never, never did I see him add a frequency. I saw him pull it away. And the more he pulled away, the clearer it got. And that's a word for somebody in this room today. Some of you came all this way just to hear, right, hear that right there. The more you pull away, the more you're going to hear him clearly. The more you stop trying to be the saving grace for people, the more you put things in perspective, it's God. First, the more he's going to give you clarity. Somebody say clarity. The last person I want to bring to your, to your attention and I hope this is blessing somebody today. Like I said, it's a little unorthodox. It's Elijah and Elisha. Elisha was out there plowing in his daddy's field. And the word of God said, this is the most, one of the strangest encounters. Didn't know the man, one of those things again. And Elijah came and put his mantle on him and kept moving that's the weirdest thing hadn't met the guy before but put his mantle on him and kept moving and Elijah said wait a minute he ran down and chased him down he said look I'm ready to follow you right now I don't know you, but my spirit connects with you. And my future is attached to you. And so even if it means that my daddy got to go to find somebody else to plow this field, I got to follow you. Because my destiny is attached to you. And he said, okay. He said, but I, I ain't going to stay still. Because how many know opportunity will not stand still for you? 
See, so many of us, as soon as I get this, as soon as I get this order, as soon as I pay this off, as soon as I get this degree, as soon as I, as soon as I, as soon as I, as soon as I get 40, and then 40 turns to 50, and then 50 turns to 60, and then 60 becomes too old. As soon as I, as soon as I, but he noticed you've been feeling that tug. You've been knowing that there are destinies calling you to do something. To step out on faith, to not consider the ripples that when you do it, there's going to be ripples and people are not going to like it. And people who have been leeching off you are going to say, wait a minute. You know, and people that ain't even saying are not going to try to define if you are Christian. Ain't Look, you somebody that ain't following Jesus, you ain't got the you ain't got the right or the time or the platform to try to define my walk with God. The devil is a lie. You are one too. If you really was a Christian, man, you better get out of my face. All of a sudden, people, people, people become a, 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 have a PhD in, in, in Christianity and going to try to define you. But you, what you, you, you don't know where to walk and where to find Jesus if he was right there in front of your face. No. God is the one who gives us our identity. But Elijah did not consider even what his own father would say. But not only did he say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'll be right back. He kissed his father and said, Daddy, I got to go. But he, didn't, he did more than that, y'all. You know what he did? He lit a fire to his plow. He cut up the oxen. He cooked it and served it to the people of his town. And he burnt up his plow. Meaning that he did not give an option to go back. <laughs> he said, even if I wanted to go back, I have nothing to come back to. I killed my ox and I burnt my plow. God wants you to get to the point where the only option is trusting him. But see, in this society, we are masters of options. If this don't work out, I got my three of them in his back pocket and I could call my uncle such and such because he, you know, he got a little bit of money and I always treated him well and blah, blah, blah. No, God said, I want you to burn every other option up but trusting me. So that's the point of no return. Everybody's standing. I, like I said, I know this was I know this was a little unorthodox and then kind of went sideways. It might have seemed like I was rambling just a little bit. But God wants us to embrace our new territory. That the new limits are there are no limits. God told me yesterday, said, son, I want you to consider the possibilities of the impossible. I said, God, I had to dwell on that a long time. He said, consider the possibility of the impossible. I said, God, that sounds like a riddle. He said, I want your mind, I want you to consider what's it's going to look like when the impossible starts flowing. That the impossible is possible. I want everybody right now to close your eyes and, and just, just meditate. Everybody in this room has a destiny. Everybody in this room has a calling on your life. You would not be here you won the lottery. You could have been anybody else. It could have been any other sperm that got to that egg. But you are the chosen one that God decided to send to this earth. And just like the prophet, he said, when you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. I shaped and I fashioned you. And there's a specific call to your life. 
But there are some decisions that we have to make, people of God. This day you will remember when God made a demand to, to make a choice. Just like he told him in Deuteronomy. I said before you, life and death, blessings and cursings. Now my advice to you is to choose life. Today is a day of reckoning. Where we're going to go through that door. Or we're going to say, God, I don't want it. That's enough. This is this. I, I, I only want to go this far. It's a day and only you know the contours of what going through that door. It may not mean, and I'm going to be clear, God may not be telling you like he told Matthew, I want you to drop your career and not be a tax collector. He may not tell you like Peter and, uh, and his brother Andrew that I want you to stop being fishermen and follow me. God may not tell you to leave places and to leave jobs and God knows that God, and I don't want the devil to get in somebody's mind to tell you to leave your spouse and all that stuff, but God is telling there is something that is going to cost you to follow him. And only you, knew what, only you know what that something is. And I want, you to, I want you to dwell on that right now. And here's the thing. I know God is mad with you if you choose not to do it. But I believe about 98 or 99% of the people in this room said that I want to see God in his fullness. Can I see the hand again if you want to see him in his fullness? If you don't want to raise it, that's fine. We will not come, you're not under any compulsion. But God said, if you want to see me in my fullness, it requires. It requires that you go past the point of no return. That point of no return meaning that you jump in the river, that you lose all control, that you submit to the surge. Just like that surfer, he gets on that, gets on that wave and he can only go where the wave goes. That means that you no longer belong to yourself. Oh, we say we do that when we give. We, we make him savior, but many of us don't make him Lord. When we make him Lord, that means that not only is he responsible for, the, for our provision, but we listen to everything he says and does. We submit ourselves to his rulership. So right now I want us to lift our hands. I surrender all to you. Everything I give to you Withholding nothing Withholding nothing I surrender all to you Somebody sing with me, sing. Surrender. Thank you, Lord. Let us feel the weight of surrender. Come on.
I give you all of me. Somebody say. Come on, mean it when you say it. I give you all. I give you all. Withholding nothing. holding hands God I have vocalized what you wanted me to say I know some people are still parsing out what following you at all costs means God I know some people are at that threshold know some people the devil is speaking in their ear and they're trying to figure out that if I follow you all the way what it means for their lives but Lord Jesus told his disciples don't even take thought for what you're going to eat what you're going to drink or what you're going to lay your head just follow him Lord I thank you Lord right now that you and do your people with courage to make hard decisions. Lord, so in us a hunger to follow you at all costs. Lord, we want to see you like we've never seen you before. Lord, we're tired of hearing about the things that you've done. Lord, we're even tired, and there's no disrespect to it, God, but we're tired of reading it on the pages of the Bible. Lord, you said that greater works are we, are we supposed to do because you're now seated at the right hand of the Father. God, something is wrong because we're not seeing the greater works, God. And I believe that it is this stand that we are taking today. It is this pledge. It is this vow. It is this commitment to chase after you like never before. To read our word and pursue you like never before. To spend time in prayer like never before. To fast like never before, God. To turn down the things of carnality, God, and chase after the things of the Spirit like never before. Lord, we feel you calling us. The same way you called the prophet Samuel. Just like his mentor told him. The next time we hear you call, we're simply going to say, Lord, here am I. <laughs> Come on, somebody say, Lord, here am I. Your servant hears. Your servant hears, God. We realize that we are no longer owners of ourselves, our talents, our giftings. Even the breath that we breathe, God, it all belongs to you. And so right now, God, we pledge, we promise, we vow even to pursue after you because we want to see you like we've never seen you. We want to feel you like we've never feel you, felt you. God, we want to see you perform miracles through our hands. We want to see the dead raised when we declare it, God. people to, we want people to stop us and say, hey, when you pass by, your shadow just healed me. God, that just wasn't for your disciples. God, they didn't even have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. God, we are the warehouse of the same Spirit. 
that raised Jesus from the dead. God, we ask you right now, God, to give us boldness to make hard decisions, to do hard things, to do things that are against what the flesh wants to do, God, because we want to see you like we've never seen you before. God, we know we can't do it on our own. That's the reason you sent the Holy Spirit, the helper, God. We need the helper right now to do what we can't do. When we, feel, when we feel weak in our frailty, God, because we hold this truth in earthen vessels, God, and these earthen vessels are subject to act crazy, to not believe you, to not trust you, to curse you to your face, God. But let us not lean into our own flesh, God. For it will fail us every time. But let us look to the hills from which come for our help. Knowing, God, that all of our help comes from you. It comes from you, God. It comes from you. Our help comes from you. Our help comes from you. Our next move that we make, God, it comes from you. Our next breath that we need, breathe. Our next heartbeat, God next station in life God it belongs to you we are property of you and I know that sounds crazy because the world tells us we're supposed to be independent and we're supposed to do our own thing and we're no longer but God we are a slave to righteousness God we are bought with a price we have been purchased by the pure efficacious blood of Jesus Christ God, we belong to you. And we say right now with uplifted hands, God, your will, not mine. Come on, somebody surrender right now. Tell them your will, not mine. Come on, begin to lift your voice right now. Come on, begin to worship him right now. Come on, begin to open up your mouth right now and worship him. Come on, begin to surrender. Thank you for tuning in today with Fellowship Church. We pray that you were blessed by the message, and we would like to connect with you through our website, fellowshipws.org, or facebook.com slash fellowship. If you are ever in the greater triad area, we would love for you to be our VIP for weekend worship experience on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. On behalf of Pastor Tony and the Fellowship family, thank you again for joining us. And remember to love God, love people, and impact the world.